There it goes. Okay. Are you, can, can you just, like, do an introduction? Just, like, real easy one. Oh, honey, I've had several glasses of wine. You need a script. I need a script. Please, uh, write me a script. How, how about just ha- tell everybody Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And this is one of our original podcasts way back when uh, pre-dawn. Oh, the pre-dawn era. Pre-dawn era. Ah. Yeah, this is back with Jeff and Jessica. And this is when we had Chad Snee from Lynn's Magazine as uh, our guest speaker. Oh, I've heard this episode. You should listen. Yeah, everybody should listen. So enjoy this rebroadcast. Check, 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 check. Good. Let's see. No, just you, a little, you'll get another uh, check. <laughs> Eight checks are enough. <laughs> I'm still loud. You're always loud. Yeah, there. Thank you. <laughs> Mine's on my Yeah, office. that's a cash correction. My phone going off at Orcopex. Oh. oh, we edited that out. They'll <laughs> never oh, yeah, know. Okay, good. <laughs> that killed about ten minutes right there. They'll never know. Shut it down. Well, I was listening to the edit on that. You did a good job. Thank you. It flowed very, very well. Okay, ready to do a countdown? Ready. Go for it. Five, four, three, two, one. It's a descendant. It's a descendant. Welcome to Stampshire here today, podcast number 17. I'm sitting here with Scott, Cash, Tom, Jeff, and our guest, Linz, Stamp News, and Scott Publishing Editor, Chad Snee. And I'm your host, Jessica. You can find us on Facebook at Stampshire here today and on Twitter at StampshowHT. Tell your friends they can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Let's talk about stamps. So this week, we'll be talking about stamp news, the Jenny controversy deepens, hashtag stamp stories 2015, and our expert topic of the week is an open dialogue with our guest, Chad Snee. Great news! Lynn's reports that three more upright $2 Jenny invert paints have been found. More like gifted by the USPS for ordering from the Fulfillment Center, who now claims... That no more sheets will be given away. This brings the count to 23. Uh, Lifetime philatelist and fellow stamp enthusiast Dave B. Robinson chimed in on the issue with a very unique perspective. Mr. Robinson spent himself over $40,000 at USPS to actually find a right-side-up sheet and was successful at doing so. His sheet was reported by Linz as the 18th sheet found. He claims that he and his wife had great fun in the endeavor, and they did it for the enjoyment rather than the monetary gain. Since after selling the sheet at auction, they came rather close to breaking even, and does not regret partaking the Search for the Golden Ticket, a reference to the Gene Wilder classic Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. However, he does express quite a bit of ire directed at the USPS for their actions of running, in his opinion, an exclusive sweepstakes for which he was never given the opportunity to participate in. His article, found at stampshirehertoday.com in our show notes, was so expressive it elicited a response from the USPS who claims it was simply an oversight and that they had good intentions to forward the stamp collecting hobby. Which side are you on? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter. So, the count is 23, and three of those we're going to have to name after the random employee when they print 5,000 of them and destroy the market. I, I cannot believe that there are people who remember the lottery for the, uh, the West sheets. Legends of the West. Legends of the West sheets. And they looked at this. And thought, yeah, let's go ahead and do this. Or was this just one guy in a cubicle somewhere? And if it was, if it was one guy in a cubicle somewhere, how did he have access to three sheets? I think that this is... Well, if this was part of their plan all along, then their press release saying that they had put all 100 of them randomly in the stock was incorrect. So somewhere along the lines, they... Either they didn't communicate their plans between the left hand and the right hand, or they were trying to do something and just not tell anybody about it, which never seems to work out because if they let people know, people will buy these things. I inadvertently participated in the lottery because I purchased sheets from 
yeah, so the fulfillment center. Mine. Every time I bought, every time I bought some, I apparently was entered in the drawing without my knowledge. Perhaps no, no word from the postal service on. <clears throat> On, on that score, I mean, when we call, when we reported about that first giveaway sheet, I mean, they very quickly told us their spokespeople in D.C. told us that uh, that's it. There, we sent out three, but no more. So I wonder what if there hadn't been any initial reporting, if that first finder hadn't called us and told us what was going on. Yeah, but what, would, what would about there the have re- been others? I, I don't, what about I'm the report cu- that I heard that? Uh, they were actually not randomly inserted, but some of the larger post offices with high traffic and expe- high expected purchase rates of these things were actually on a short list of where some of these were shipped so that they would be actually be found early on in the, in the high turnover and high purchase rates in the larger post so, offices. So it would seem, Scott. I, uh, yeah, I think that's more rumor in... I mean, because they didn't have anything to say about that, did they? Or were they ever asked? Well, you're, you're I mean, it's not in their best interest to admit it. You're attributing them skill levels, which I don't think they <laughs> possess. You no, know? but if they weren't randomly inserted, if they were randomly inserted after the shipments were prepared to these certain post offices, instead of being randomly inserted prior to Well, then it's not random. Exactly. Yeah, if it's like, okay, we've got 10,000 going to Philadelphia here, throw two of them in there, that's not that's random. That's not random, yeah. but uh, that's what I'm saying. Is that what they did, or did they mix them in before they set aside the shipment for the specific cities? Well, I have a question, because Lynn's contacted them. Who did you speak to? I mean, did, was it when you called up? Was it like, we don't know what the heck you're talking about? Or was it, oh, we know exactly what you're talking about. Let's talk, let me talk to this person who is the head of this program or something. Um, yeah, I think they were aware of what was going on. There wasn't any backpedaling when I asked about it and wanted some clarification. And then we reported in our story that the Stamp Fulfillment Services manager, it was something that he had come up with, but... They didn't run that idea through all the appropriate channels to include, from what was reported to us, uh, the legal side of the house. As we as we quoted, whichever postal spokesperson it was, I can't can't remember right now, uh, saying you know, we there were legal issues surrounding giving away. Postage for oh, nothing. Oh, I no. mean, that it, was a joke it, to me when well, I read that. that. That's that was the. Uh, they the have no problem. With that that all to me that. sounded like about the lamest excuse there was. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, really the way it came across. Yeah, it's like, oh, we did this terrible thing, um, and it's because we gave it away for free. No, it's because you said you were going to randomly distribute these things and you didn't. Because you knew where they were, which makes it not so random. It, uh, and you know, I I have all faith that government and government entities pretty much 100% of the time tell the truth because you really don't get any lies out of, like, Washington, D.C. But I just find it hard to believe them. Well, okay, we, yes, that was a joke. Yes. <laughs> okay, we're all trying to stifle laughter very, very... We're going to laugh for now. Cash has this practiced deadpan. <laughs> that, well, there's uh, it, When he's making fun of things. I just, I think they shot themselves in the foot, and what I really sincerely hope is that this doesn't get so bad that they say, listen, we're going to fix it, we're going to do another lottery, uh, fi- uh, we're going to give away 5,000 sheets, everybody who wants one, send us 12 bucks. I don't think so. Ooh, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think there's a 0% chance. I think that the chance of that happening is more than zero, unfortunately. Well, we shall see. Yep. We shall see. I know a lot of, uh, I know, what, 18 people who are probably very, very pissed off right now. Hmm. Well, the ones that went and spent money. But, you know, even if, even like Dave Robinson, you spend $40,000 on postage to find one of these things. At the end of the day, you still have $40,000 in postage left. Well, but and, and those aren't the people who I'm even talking about. No, I'm but talking about the people who purchased them, but, but, not the people who found no, them. No, but you can't. He can't say that. Well, he only sort of broke even after finding it. Oh well, that was a, no. He still has the forty thousand dollars in postage. 
that's a in addition good point. to the right side up pain that he found. Yeah, that that's a that's a foolish statement. It was probably taken out of context or something because obviously if you get all your money back and you still have thirty nine thousand nine hundred and eighty eight dollars worth of postage, I think well, you're I understand. ahead of the game. I understand he can't <laughs> possibly use it all on letters himself. Hey, and, we'll buy it. We need and, postage. And which means he'll probably sell it at a small discount off of face value. But still, he's got a fair chunk of change there. Yeah, that's I read his article. That's something that he kind of did sort of fail to mention. Yeah. So <laughs> what happened to the rest of the stamps? You still have them, right? So Well I know I bought some. <laughs> Plus you can go through and there are some cool varieties like the broken wheel and stuff you can search for. Different places. Yeah. What else do we have, Jessica? Okay. Actually, I have one other thing. From a standpoint of listing, does the fact that they gave them away really... It, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I, and I made no... I've, if you listen to the last 10 podcasts, I've said it. I think they should be listed in Scots. But now, with this one, I'm kind of like on the fence now. And before it was like, you guys are foolish for not listing it. And now it's like, eh, I'm not so certain. You know, this is like a fiasco. I, I think maybe it does deserve a footnote. Well, we're still mulling over exactly what we want to do. I mean, right now it is the, the upright sheet is mentioned in a footnote accompanying the listing for the normal, the normal sheet. But, but uh, we've still got some deliberating to do before we come down on one side or the other whether or not we would list it or just leave it in the footnote i honestly haven't looked at a 2015 catalog what does it say it's just a general description oh, of yeah. the, the oh, okay you know, 100 it of them were printed with the and randomly oh it doesn't give any price or anything no no oh, okay i mean i think at some point there will be a price in the footnote just like there is with a lot of footnotes yeah. but as far as as being in a in an album, I don't think it'll ever be in an album. Oh, I disagree well, with that. Well, actually, it may. I mean, C three A, the original inverted Jenny is in the Scott National album. No, the, the album and, companies charge per page. Yeah, if and, they can put an extra page in, which they will, it'll have its own page. If they can increase their page count by one, they're going to do it because it makes them money. There's no question about it. I, I mean, don't, I don't know how much. Of that is true. Of about what? So, about whether the uh, one single album page. companies want to make money? Well, but I don't <laughs> think it makes that much difference one page. Oh, yeah. You, over all the supplements that are issued, it makes a huge difference. This week in stamp collecting in history, January 21st, 1999. In one of the largest drug busts in American history, the U.S. Coast Guard intercepted a ship carrying 4,300 kilograms of cocaine. A new 2015 Forever Rate stamp coming out later this year honors the United States Coast Guard for its tireless role in defending our nation and its waters, as well as continuing advancements in maritime interests. You can find more at USPSStamps.com. I love the stamp because they are protecting us with a helicopter and a square rigger ship, (laughs) which I'm sure will chase down those bad guys as long as... They also have square rigger ships. It looks kind of like bookends, like then and now. I hope that's not the ship they use. <laughs> <laughs> How much? Uh, I'm I'm off on my metrics. How much is for four thousand three hundred kilograms? Uh, Take two, it and two, just about double it. It's two point two pounds. Two point two pounds per kilogram. So, so it's about nine thousand pounds of coke. That's uh, more than a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> they should issue cocaine stamps you know cocaine tax stamps so i can put them with my marijuana tax stamps yeah but cocaine's kind of still illegal well yeah so is marijuana they still sold the stamps oh yeah narcotic stamps tax cocaine but they stopped yes when they stopped in the 1930s sometime anyway interesting stamp yeah it looks like a looks like it's going to be a very attractive stamp Okay, updates. I believe Cash has some corrections he wants to make. Well, I luckily didn't make any faux pas at Orco Expo, but I uh, do want to say that um, inside of the Lens magazine, and there is a ad from uh, Bob Dumain from San Houston Duck Company, and it has a really, really good color reference for an RW13A, the bright pink. Um, along with the normal one. So everybody should pull out their lens 
and I would be saying this even if you weren't here, uh, this is a great color sample for you to clip out this and keep it with your collection to look for this rare color variety. It's a really, really good representation. I mean, it, it's spot on color. It's great. Uh, second thing is I want to uh, tell everybody that I acquired yesterday the latest known chicken stamp on cover. So uh, Steve Patillo got a piece of mail uh, two days ago, and it had chicken stamps on it. So oh, I no. have the latest known until somebody uses one later, which I'm sure will never happen because I think uh, we're running out of chicken stamps. There's definitely a national shortage. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Oh, well, there's one thing that you didn't mention is the um, the Coast Guard stamp. It's an oil painting, and I was wondering if they have a clay of it also. <sighs> I'm sure they will. Sorry, that's one of our long-term running jokes. This painting on the wall behind Scott came from that joke. That is a Viking chicken clay. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Tom actually found one. Okay, listener question. Benji Clark wanted to know, what if someone wanted to send you fan mail? I believe Scott has the answer to that. Well, if you want to send us a fan mail or ask a question by mail, which we always love to receive letters, uh, you can mail them to us at Stamp Show Here Today at Post Office Box 6170, Newport Beach, California, 92658. And we'll be happy to read your mail on the on the podcast and and don't answer any questions that you have you oh know. yes and please use stamps because we are stamp collectors. <laughs> we are all stamp collectors here i want the first stamp show here today cover oh Ooh. i would that would be cool wouldn't it yeah yeah <laughs> so whoever sends the first one make it really colorful Okay, and our stamp stories this week. Last year, there was criticism about last year's focus on pop culture. This year's previews have been very tame. What do you think about 2015 previews? Tell us at hashtag stamp stories, hashtag new stamps. Why would anybody complain about pop culture? I'm, I'm curious. I'm not sure of even what the criticism was. Well, was, I think it has to do with older stamp collectors uh, prefer historical type Subjects for their stamps. So there's I mean, not Janis we, Joplin or Jimi or, Hendrix. Exactly. But we covered Batman. So certainly not Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, that's just way too recent. Harry Potter. Harry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there you there, go. There's a. I I understand you, you're trying to cater to a wide audience and you can't please everybody. But yeah, we're, we should have we more. Aren't, we aren't. We need old stamps people. with. Benjamin Franklin I mean, and George Washington exclusively, and please make them all red and black. That's it. Yes. No, red and green. Green? Green. Who gets green? They can alternate. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the criticism was, although I heard some people saying, what the heck is Harry Potter doing on a stamp? Um, plus, it's a living person, supposedly not a living person, who is actually a living person. Well, you listen to all these old guys... I assume they're old, complaining that the stamp hobby is dying, we need to get new collectors in, yet they don't want stamps that would appeal to young collectors, which is kind of where the disconnect is there. They they say we don't want we only want historic subjects, things that don't relate that young people can't relate to, and they poo poo the when the post office issues Stamps that the young people can relate to. Well, they did history. They did the Batman. They had the four different Batmans through well, yeah. history. It's not like Batman's <laughs> new yesterday. Yeah. And Harry Potter, they were uh, historically, uh, you know, covering the whole Hogwarts thing that happened. In real life? <laughs> well, I read it in a history book somewhere. <laughs> I think it was my uh, grade school history book. Had a whole chapter on Harry Potter and the Byzantines. I think they were... Related to each other somehow. Okay, our expert topic this week, we're actually going to welcome our guest, Chad Snee. Again. Again. (laughs) Thank you all for having me on the show. I'm going to read his official bio according to lens.com, and then I'm going to ask him for his unofficial one at the end. Charles Chad Snee is the editor of Lynn Stamp News and Scott Publishing Co. Scott produces the Scott brand of postage stamps catalogs, 
which includes a six-volume worldwide Scott Standard Postage Stamp Catalog and the Scott Specialized Catalog of United States Stamps and Covers and the Scott Classic Specialized Catalog of Stamps and Covers 1840 to 1940. Snee is an accomplished philatelist with 15 years of professional editorial reporting and writing experience in the stamp hobby media. In 1999, he was hired as an associate editor for Lynn's Stamp News, where he worked for seven years, eventually rising to senior editor in 2003. Following a Navy Reserve deployment to Afghanistan, Snee enjoyed the Scott editorial staff in 2007. In 2011, he became editor of Scott Catalogs. In January 2014, he assumed his current duties as editor of Lynn's and Scott. He enjoys collecting stamps of Ireland and Scandinavia, as well as United States postal history. Snee and his wife, Lynn, have been married for 22 years. They reside in Troy, Ohio, and there are three daughters, Caitlin, Charlotte, and Margaret. So don't take this too seriously, but tell us your unofficial bio. (laughs) Unofficial bio. Wow. Where to start? Uh, I would say first... I, I consider myself a devoted husband and a loving father. Those two things are pretty critical to, to who I am as an individual. Uh, I've always believed your family comes first. And uh, there, there's, there are very few things that give me more joy and, and pleasure than to spend time with, with Lynn and our girls. So I guess you could say I'm a, I'm a family guy. Uh, I've enjoyed the hobby, obviously. It's, uh, it's not every day that somebody can, can make a living uh, through a hobby. So that's a that's a pretty unique uh, set of circumstances, and uh, for which I'm I'm thankful. It's been uh, it's been an interesting uh, ride up to this point. So that, that that I think about covers it, and well, we can get into it. What what did you do before before Linz? Obviously, you did spend some time in the Navy. I did. Uh, I was uh, on active duty for about five years, and. I uh, was casting about trying to figure out what I wanted to do after I left the service. Uh, Lynn was working at the time, and I was moving down the path of of being a uh, high school uh, teacher. And What subject? Science, biology, and chemistry. And uh, after my annual contract at uh, the school where I taught, was not renewed. I went back on the substitute teaching list, and it was during that time, this was late 1998, when there was an opening on the editorial staff at Lens, and I thought, well, I've got nothing to lose. Why, <laughs> why don't we, you know, so polished up the resume and sent it in, and uh, they called me up and then asked me to come up for an interview, and how does that go? The rest, as they say, is philatelic history i guess so, i'm curious yeah. how did you get into stamps through uh, through my uncle i guess uh, he he still has a, a fairly nice u.s collection which i remember looking at as a as a youngster and being pretty impressed and he for one of my birthdays gave me a sell a, a glassine mint sheet file you know oh. and he put in he had a couple of sheets in there as gifts i think one of them was the boston tea party Sheet, the eight cent Boston Tea Party, and the other was the uh, Capex, the thirteen cent Capex sheet. So I think from from that initial introduction, that kind of got me going uh, as a as a kid, and uh, was pretty pretty avid about it up until I you know got into into high school and then let it you know slide for a little bit, and of course college too busy with other things. But uh, like all of us, like uh, that's a, this is the typical, pretty typical progression. And and uh, after Lynn and I were married in the early 90s and we were living out here in California, as it turns out, um, I started to plug back in a little bit more and started attending some of the local shows and stayed with it pretty much steadily uh, off and on ever since. So what do you collect yourself? A couple of areas in, in, in the United States. Uh, I do postal history primarily, not so much stamps anymore. Uh, I write a column in Lynn's called Dollar Sign Stamps. I'm uh, a big-time uh, collector of uh, dollar-denominated stamps on cover, mainly the modern ones, not not the classic older ones. I don't have any, any uh, Colombians on cover, uh, the 1892 Colombians, that is. 
I also collect the postal history of my town in Ohio, Troy, Troy, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And uh, every so often, when I can find a nice one, I like to pick up uh, World War II POW covers, uh, the ones mailed from the United States to the service members in the camps, mm-hmm. both both in the European theater and in the uh, Asian theater. Mm-hmm. And as it says here in the little bio there, I, I do like... Uh, uh, the Stamps of Ireland. Uh, we've got heritage there on, on my dad's side of the family. Got a lot of people here doing the same. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and, and uh, Scandinavia is mm-hmm. fun because of all the stamps that uh, Cheswell Swania engraved. So I like to like to collect those. You, you mentioned dollar values on cover. I collect uh, like express mail stamps on yes. big, huge express mail envelopes. I don't see very many high value stamps coming on cover anymore. I mean, where, what are you finding? Where are you finding? Obviously, at Linz, you have sort of a larger mailing group, but I'm finding the dollar value stamps are very uncommon now passing through the mail. Yes, I would agree with that. I think for the most part, the only way you're going to find them is to get plugged in with another collector who might send you something or or you send something to another collector and ask that they return it. I mean, I've, I've done that with a handful of the... Uh, uh, Jenny Invert uh, pains, sending them to interesting destinations overseas, and I've so far I've got I, I send them registered so that I have justification for spending the twelve <laughs> bucks, and it doesn't look ridiculous on a on a small envelope. But I've let's see, I have uses to Fiji, Israel. Uh, I'm waiting on one from Nepal. Where else? Denmark. Maybe one or two other locations that escape me right now, but anyhow. I remember I got a whole uh, collection of uh, bank tabs with uh, from from the Federal Reserve because I'm sort of an economist dude and I uh, collect economic stuff. And they had huge denominations on it, but otherwise I don't see that much stuff. You must have a good search eye. Well, it's the funny thing about it, is that the dollar sign stamps column often brings interesting things my way when collectors send me pictures of cool things they found and then all of a sudden I've got another subject for a for a column so that that works out nicely for sure but a lot of the more recent stuff that I have are just things I've either done myself or sometimes I'll ask a family member when if they're going to mail something uh use stamps on the package or just recently, when my mother was visiting us over Christmas break, she is in the habit of sending a few things ahead of her arrival, and then she just mails them back right before she leaves. So we did up a parcel for her, and I got it all set up and took it to the post office and got it nicely franked with an express mail stamp and a couple other dollar stamps, and I and I put pencil marks in a, in a rectangle around the top of the... Uh, the, the parcel so that she would know where to cut it out and 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 have it have it look nice when when I got it back and it was waiting for me when I when I got to her house uh, uh, around noon today after I flew in from Ohio. Oh, cool. So the medium rate priority mail flat rate box is twelve sixty five now, so uh, a complete inverted Jenny sheet. Plus a, plus a little bit, cents. plus 65 cents. That would be, cents, be a yep. nice use. It sure would. Plus it's and, a nice heavy cardboard, so it doesn't get banged up. Yeah, I just I just sent two of those to my mom, so I know, and that's what I used. And uh, she told me she peeled them off. Like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> put the whole, you got the whole sheet on there? I got the whole sheet on there, and I had it nice, and it was, I every, everything had, had stayed right where it was supposed to and no overlapping or anything like that and it was I was just I was so proud of myself when I got those on there and it, they didn't they didn't move around or float at all and uh, and then she had to go and peel them off and I'm just dreading to see what they turned out like I use a little trick to get those to to get the backing paper off so that the stamps stay in place you put post-it notes on the top that's what I did yeah. that's hmm. what I did I put one over each of the each of the, uh, I guess it was the vertical perforation lines. I, so I used four post-it notes on each one. and, uh, and then But just, I had a heck of a time trying to peel off the corner of yeah, the Yeah, you sheet. have to kind of just flick at it a yeah. little bit, and then it'll pop up, and then you can just yeah. 
peel peel it I, off. I, I know I, I ruined one sheet. I had to go to a, another one. I ruined one on the corner. <laughs> and then this is what we re- use for removing them. Hold it up to the mic. Yeah, here you go. Uh, <laughs> pure pure citrus, orange air freshener. I buy mine at uh, um, Walmart. Well, I actually get I mine, mine at uh, Home Depot. Oh. And uh, this right here, you spray it on the uh, Jenny's, actually almost all the uh, self-sticks, and it'll liquefy the gum so you can take them off. I haven't found a self-stick that it doesn't work on yet. Yeah. Does it work well on the Wave series? Yes. Those are always oh, yeah. a pain in the neck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, their problem is just they're large, so they wrinkle as you pull them up. Figure out how to do that. I haven't yeah. had any trouble with it. So. so here's a burning question. What kind of technological investments can we look forward to in 2016 for the catalog? On the technology side, I think we're going to continue to push forward with adding... Uh, some some different titles to the e-catalog lineup that we have. Uh, probably some more individual country catalogs and, and so forth. Ultimately, of course, we, we hope to have a, a true online catalog uh, that would be probably subscription-based and would allow you, you know, full access to the... Well, I know, I know a number of years ago, Stanley Gibbons put their catalog online, but they, they didn't include varieties... And Stanley Gibbons has tons of varieties, yes. especially in the earlier stuff. And But they put the basic listings online, and they were free to use. But if you signed up and paid for a subscription, you could kind of track your collection, right. what you had, and it would also give you access to all those varieties as well. And they kept the, the values current, and as long as you were paying the, the monthly subscription, all of that stuff was available yep. to you. And I thought that was a really good idea. And as you were talking about the online catalog, uh, is that something that you've thought of? Oh, for sure. I mean, we, <clears throat> kind of doing. I, a, I think we would like to get there at some point, but there are just a lot of. I mean, a lot of. Uh, challenges well, inherent with with building something like that it's yeah. a pretty complex uh, endeavor yeah, and, i, th- and I think i think the hard part is it kind of makes the print catalog less people are less likely to buy the print catalog because of the huge costs involved oh and it's so convenient too i'll, I'll go to the show i'll put all six volumes in my back pocket mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, just walk around and you know look up a stamp really quick every now and then just stick it in the pocket again. Yeah, yeah. You read my mind. <laughs> that was going to lead me to ask, I'm curious, do you know, would you be able to talk about if you have an Android app in the future that you're thinking about? Uh, I think so. Yeah, we certainly want to be able to have the catalogs available on, on as many platforms as possible. But again, it's 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 a... You know, balancing the the resources available to us and the time commitments involved to get all those things done. It's uh, uh, those are things that we we have to consider moving forward. But yes, I mean, ideally, we we want to have the catalogs wherever people can access them. Well, Amos uh, digitally. Amos is a huge publishing company. You do coin as well as I believe you also do cards. baseball cards and dolls, don't you? No, 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 no. We have just four major areas that we focus on, the stamp uh, collecting, coin collecting, automotive through our cars mm-hmm. and parts brand, and then we have uh, craft ideas, uh, crafts and things, which is for people that like to needlepoint, paint, and do you know, home projects, and that kind of thing. Yep. So you could do needlepoint app Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> Don't know what that would look like, but... Needlepoint needle stamps. Needlepoint stamps, yeah. <laughs> Put the two together, needlepoint and stamps. Yeah. <sighs> What's next, Jessica? <sighs> uh, so we'd like your thoughts on the circus sheet. Uh, we've talked about the up- upright Jenny invert already, but um, what about album spaces provided by album printers? Well, I mean, in general, for our album pages, we tend to provide space for anything that's going to receive a major catalog number. Uh, Minor listed items, and I think were we to decide to to list any of the things we're we're talking about here right now, they would almost certainly be minor listings. They wouldn't have a full major Scott catalog number. So in that sense, there there necessarily wouldn't be an album space provided for them, but having that number associated with them would certainly make it easier for collectors and dealers when it comes to organizing and inventorying stock and so on. I mean, that's, and that's an 
important consideration for us. We need to you know, weigh that, too, when we're making these kinds of decisions. I think, I think the catalog, I, I know because I've talked to you and I've talked to Jim Kletzel about um, listing policies, but ultimately the catalog is for the collector and the dealer to be able to have a common language to trade in these items. Absolutely. And so if it doesn't have a, an actual number listing or a minor lettered listing or whatever, it makes it much more difficult, and then these items just kind of go away out of the out of the marketplace, and I, I don't think that's good for the hobby. No, I mean, I, 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 I agree with you. That's, that's true. Um, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a balancing act. We have to, at times, take a given issue and look at it carefully and weigh in the balance what our listing criteria say, but uh, there, there's room to maneuver, and I think at times maybe exceptions can be made. I mean, uh, so we, and these are, these are unusual examples here. I mean, the, the upright Jenny sheet for certain has just been unlike anything the Postal <laughs> Service has done before. I mean, it's yeah. been great for us. We've had good stories come out of it and whatnot, but it's a real different animal, if you will. And to, in some respects, so are the circus sheets, the, the ones with and without die cuts, uh, you know, the without coming from the press sheets. And then again, f- for the first time, the Postal Service produces a, 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 an item that you can only acquire through a, a, an ancillary product. Again, that's new ground for them. And it's, in that sense, new ground for us as far as trying to figure out, all right, what do we want to do with this? I mean, are we Well, gonna- I know it's similar to what Australia has done. They've done, been doing that for years. And I know the, the way that you deal with that, and it's mostly through footnotes. Correct. But, but again... Is this, when you go back and think about it, is that the right way to call it? Especially for this and... I mean, is are they going to try and do this again next year or the year after? Or is this going to be just kind of like a one-time deal? That it could they... become the norm. Yeah, it could become the norm. Well, and... me and Tom were talking at lunch about that. Yeah, we were discussing that um, some of our listeners know there's a few of us in here who collect pins, most and mostly Disney-related pins. And Disney's been one of those that's known for years that they'll put out a set. And then they may put out a boxed set after that that has... The same pins you could buy individually, but they have what they call completer pins, which are you can only get these if you buy the box set. And that's almost the the turn that they seem to be taking with something like this is, you know, hey, you get this cool stamp if you buy the yearbook and all the stamps at the end of the year. This is like a completer stamp. Almost, yeah. 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 That is kind of a In cool a manner idea. Of speaking, yeah. If you list a value for it, I think there is a world of difference between if you just put a note saying they that exist. Is, it exists. Um, if you put a value for it, people will seek it. If you don't put a value for it, I think that people might acquire it just to, for completion every now and then. But uh, I think the value side of it is really the driving force on whether you list it or not. Whether you give it a number or not, do you give it a value? I, I know that the albums that Amos publishes they'll you'll follow whatever you decide on as far as that but i do know that other publishers like lighthouse um generally do issue pages or supplements that will will include spaces for these kinds of items um whether they're listed or not because in their view they're clearly collectible and they're clearly issued by our postal service and they're valid for postage, so therefore yep, they belong sure. in those albums. Yeah. And I just wonder if, you know, if people are aware when they make their choice in album, are they going to choose something that has that in there or not? And what would be the general preference for those who do have albums? Would they want to see the uh, spaces in their albums for those things? Even though, even if they're only footnoted, would they like to see space? Because they are fairly common. Well, I know one. I mean, album the, the imperfect souvenir sheets for the that's what I was just going to comment are, on. Are basically selling for a little over double face value on eBay, uh, two to three times face value right now. But the ones inside the books are selling for between seventy five and a hundred. Yes. So, but the uh, I was just going to comment on it. I know a. 
um, page company, which is making their pages and they're setting it up so that if you get two sets of pages, you can have one of them for the imperforated and one of them for the perforated of every issue. And if there wasn't a press sheet, they have it on a different page. So they are looking at um, these other varieties. But again, you know, it's like I said, it's to get the page count up. If the more pages, the more money they make. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But a lot of, I think a lot of collectors are also driven by, not necessarily, especially with topical collectors, but a lot of uh, regular um, collectors who collect by country are, are driven by completeness a lot of times. And they want to see those things that they see in the market. They want to, they want them in their album, and they want one of each. And hence, I mean, I was kind of disappointed when the yearbook came out, and it there was yeah, there were stamps missing. There were stamps missing because they couldn't get the licensing. Yeah, the uh, Hendrix, the Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I was really plus dis- all the general issues. Well, the Postal Service has been doing that by design for a number of years now. You get the you get the commemorative pack when you buy the yearbook, but then oh, by the way, yeah, if you uh, want, if you want if the you, other one, if you, you really can. want everything else that's been issued, we'll sell you a separate pack of stamps for an additional an additional cost, right? And that's fine. The book the book is geared toward the commemorative stamps, and that's fine. Selling a separate pack, but I think I think they could do a better job of marketing the fact that there is a separate pack for those other stamps or postal stationery items or what whatnot. So having you here as a spokesman for Linz, we can definitely quote you when we say, given the circus sheet and the Jenny sheet, we have to wait and see what happens. Yes, at this <laughs> point. That's, that's right. So you're committing to being noncommittal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess in so many words. <laughs> See, we don't spare our guests. <laughs> okay, so I was wondering, what is the submission process if you have a suspected new stamp? Meaning to... Like a new variety or color? Oh, 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 oh. Well, it's, it's relatively simple. I mean, usually when we get a call or an email or something or letter, if somebody thinks they have something scarce, very unusual that could have potential high dollar value and whatnot, and we don't list it, our recommendation almost without exception is that they submit the item to be expertized. We, we, we want to see um, a reliable third-party opinion on things like that, and usually that's all we would need uh, if it comes back clean and the item is genuine to list it. Uh, in the U.S. Specialized, for example, we... we when we can, we tell people in footnotes the earliest documented use for a stamp, either as a stamp itself or sometimes the EDU is based solely on a, on a stamp on cover or whatnot. So if somebody claims they have a date that's earlier than what we show in the catalog, again, we ask, you need to have that certified. And then send us a copy of the cert, and, and, and we can list it. For... For other things, maybe somebody has found a new perforation variety of a of a common stamp, and if it's half a gauge or more different in either the horizontal or vertical direction, well, that would qualify for a major listing. If it's if it's like say a quarter perf off, in some cases we would minor it. But things like that, okay, send it to us. We'll take a look at it. We can we can perf it, and if yeah. we're confident that yet yeah, in fact it is is different, that would get listed as well. So out of all the calls that you take for these new suspected varieties and stuff, how many actually turn out to be legit? Um, wow. I don't think I could put numbers or percentages on it. Uh, sometimes when we tell somebody, hey, you, you need to have the item certified, that's the last we hear about it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can draw your own conclusions from that, but, but uh, uh, I, I'd say it's probably the majority of items tend to tend to come back good. I mean, we're usually dealing with folks that have enough hobby savvy that they've done a little bit of research ahead of time, so they're feeling fairly confident when they submit something that it's it's going to receive a favorable opinion. But I can't put, you know, hard numbers on you know, how many things get listed out of how many calls or emails or letters we get for people wanting us to look look at something. So what do you think about the young friends of the APS? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. 
Do you uh, qualify? I, I will for just another year. Uh, <laughs> I'll be 49 in June. But I think it's a good idea. I mean, there needs to be a little there. There, there needs to be more networking and 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 uh, and times for affinity with with the younger uh, set in the hobby. And so I think it's a it's a step in the right direction. Um, so the younger set, we need those young 49 year olds to. So well, you, it's, <laughs> I mean, yes, we we've all we want younger people to be interested in the hobby and to take it up, but. The established hobby has been gray almost since its inception. I mean, go and look back at any of the old philatelic publications of, of photographs at exhibitions or at shows or what have you. What are you going to see? This, you know, sea of, of older, primarily gentlemen with gray hair. I mean, it, that hasn't changed that much. Well, you get I mean, to a certain what, point in well, life. Well, now they, yeah. they but, die now. Well, <laughs> but the thing is, we also really shouldn't ignore older folks as well. I mean, the boomer generation is now starting to retire. And for the next, what, 15 to 20 years, I mean, the, one of the biggest cohorts ever in the United States is suddenly going to have a whole heck of a lot more time. And for many of those people, disposable income on their hands. You know, they're gonna they're gonna need they're gonna need outlets for for that. So I think there's something to be said for going after those folks and showing them how pleasant and enjoyable collecting stamps can be. Uh, remember what it was like when you were a kid and you went down to the post office and bought the latest issue? That would apply to some of them who shoved their album in their closet decades ago and haven't done anything with it. Now I ask my son where the post office is, and he goes, What? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do I need to go blue, there for? Blue box on the corner, right? You mean you can't email it? Mm. Uh, he orders everything <laughs> off of Amazon, and it comes right to his door. He never has to go to the post office. True enough. True enough. <laughs> or eBay. But, or... but I think as time goes on, the hobby's going to take on a more historical type of a flavor. I mean, it's it, stamps will be viewed more and more, I think, in the future as historic artifacts. They are they are representative of a country's culture and history and events, time, places, people. So I could see more examples of perhaps colleges and universities starting to look into stamps for as a as a way to to understand history and to draw conclusions about what was going on at a given amount at a, at a given time uh for just one example that's where i think it's going to it's going to go um the hobby will always be with us but i think it's going to be a it's going to be a much more concentrated and yes i think smaller you know group of people but uh I think the hobby's still going to remain strong and interesting, and it'll always be there. Well, I don't even think it'll be smaller. I see a lot more people getting interested, like you said, from the artifact standpoint. Well, so, I, therefore, they may not necessarily become collectors as we understand them, but they'll be stamp studiers. They'll yeah. be stamp <clears throat> analyzers or however you want to put it. Well, I, I mean, when for us, the, the stamp world is... is uh, we can collect a little bit more generally, and I think in the future you're going to see a lot more people focusing. Even, even younger people, when they get into it, they're going to be limiting their collecting areas because there is just so much out there now. And not only with the material, but with the information available. For sure. It, it, it can yeah. be just overwhelming. Yeah. yeah well, as people who listen know, I always compare stamp collecting to coin collecting. Yeah, I don't, and I, I don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think stamp, stamp collecting is uh, going to do exactly what coin collecting does. You don't have people who collect every coin from the world. I mean, they're just I've, there's probably one out there, so I don't want to insult them. But mostly you collect a specific thing. And it's not even all U.S. coins. And I think you'll have that with stamp, or stamp collecting. I think you already really do. You have people like me who collect 1851 to 1859. But I think that there are going to be set popular areas, and I think one of them is going to be like Marilyn Monroe and James Dean and Star Wars and Harry Potter and all the Batman and everything that people are complaining about now. And chickens. Well, that's, that's <laughs> the new growing one that's just going to blow everything else away. 
uh, yeah, we're going to be sending you a lot of new listings for the chicken stamp. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to find some varieties. Yeah, that, and cash that. means we buy he and the mouse in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. How many leg eggs can you lay? Yeah. None lately. Lots if you listen to his jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are just bad eggs. Exactly. <laughs> mm, I want to know what's in that that Jenny pack. We're House going to pack. find out <laughs> in just a moment. Could oh. it be? Could it be? Well, I guess we'll we'll have to find out. All right. So, drum roll. This one was not mailed to me by the Fulfillment House. I bought this one from a post office. That must lessen your chances right there. Yeah, it destroys all my chances whatsoever. Wouldn't it be funny if... But, (laughs) here it comes. Normal. Normal inverted. (laughs) It's an inverted Jenny Payne. It's a descendant. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurfs, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Hi, this is Bob Prager with Gary Posner Incorporated, and we're in Long Island, New York, in New Jersey, and our philosophy of Gary Posner Incorporated is this. We would rather pay very fair prices on nine out of ten collections that we look at versus trying to just offer very low prices on one out of two and making a big score. That's never our philosophy. So if you want to be treated fairly, please give us a call anytime at 800-323-4279. And again, my name is Bob Prager. WC Stamps offers premium U.S. classic and rare stamps on eBay. They make sure that 90% of their inventory is always the lowest price listed. They also accept the best offers. Just search WC Stamps, all one word on eBay. Thank you for your support of the show.